Hello and welcome to another edition of the Sport Intern Special, a series of podcasts in which we speak to the movers and shakers within the Olympic movement. In this episode, we speak to Chris Canetti, the president of the Houston 2026 World Cup Committee. Well, Houston has been very busy this summer organising big matches in pre-season tours of some of the top clubs in Europe like Manchester United and Real Madrid. And I began my interview by asking Chris what was the process involved in organising such matches. So these matches are held at NRG Stadium, which is home of the Houston Texans. And the Texans have a, a, a business called Lone Star Sports and Entertainment, and they promote all non-American football matches over there at that stadium. And they've been super aggressive in uh, bringing uh, world football matches over for the last two decades. Um, over the last couple of years, we had the Manchester Derby. We had Bayern Munich versus Real Madrid. Uh, they've done a good job over the years in really partnering together to put together the right recipe of success for promoters to want to bring their events to Houston because pretty much across the board, it's a guaranteed success. How did you use that opportunity to showcase, uh, you know, the stadium for FIFA and, you know, to show the world what, what you're capable of being able to host? Yeah, I think when you bring in a match like this, uh, it's a great showcase for what will take place during the 2026 FIFA World Cup. It's a little bit different because FIFA obviously has – uh, it's certain standards, regulations, and guidelines that don't necessarily apply to every single international football match. But uh, I think, you know, you learn a lot of lessons from organizing these events and you see what the best practices are and what could be put into place when the when the FIFA World Cup ultimately does come. But FIFA's made several site visits to Houston and to this stadium to see it. In fact, they were here for the Gold Cup um, just a few weeks ago when Mexico played in a sellout, or near sellout crowd, and they were able to uh, see all the ins and outs and and how things operate around the stadium from, you know, the team side to hospitality and everything in between. So, you know, FIFA is is not only doing this in Houston, they're doing this in all cities right now as events take place to so they become more familiar with how the venue operates and how they can institute the FIFA practices into these uh, ultimately what are NFL stadiums. And how does Houston rate amongst all the other cities, if I'm not mistaken, I think you've got 17 in total that are going to be featured across Canada and, and, and Mexico uh, for the World Cup. How how are you sort of uh, sitting amongst the others? Because we've had some other big games. There was the um, the, the Madrid-Barcelona uh, derby. Uh, you know, we've had Arsenal, we've had Chelsea playing in, I think, in New York. So you've got a lot of big teams in the big stadia out there in the US. Where are you sitting in with with all of the others? Yeah, we're right there in the mix with everybody else. I mean, we're very fortunate in this country to have so many nice facilities in every city. So it's hard to say that one is so much better than the, than the other. Um, you know, NRG Stadium, which is which is uh, where we will be playing in Houston, is a, is a, a tremendous venue. Um, it has everything you need, including a retractable roof to protect fans from the elements. Um, so, you know, we're right there with New York and LA and Atlanta and Miami. We're all kind of in the same class because these facilities are so new, uh, and they were, you know, they're designed with, um, with the utmost, uh, of, you know, just quality and a lot of money was spent on them as well. So, uh, you know, we're very proud of the venue we have here and feel like, uh, we're right up there with, uh, some of the more notable cities in this country. 
talk a little bit about the funding that you're getting and how much of it you need and how much support you're getting uh, to, to make your case presentable with FIFA and showcase yourselves as a city and as a stadium, not just for the World Cup in two years' time, but sort of, you know, I'm sure moving ahead, soccer is going to be a major part of your portfolio. Yeah, I mean, soccer already is a major part of our portfolio here in this city. We have, you know, the MLS team, the Houston Dynamo, the NWSL team, the Houston Dash of the Women's League. Uh, we're regular hosts of the, the regional uh, uh, tournament here, the CONCACAF Gold Cup. Every two years it comes through and it's played not only at the NRG Stadium, home of the Houston Texans, but it's also played at what's called Shell Energy Park, which is home of the Houston Dynamo. Uh, so there's a great culture for the game in this in this city, in, in particular as a result of the uh, diversity of this city. Houston is, is quite diverse, very international. So, of course, with, with football being the world's game, uh, we have residents here in the city that love the sport first and foremost. Uh, but as it pertains to funding, uh, you know, we as a host committee and as a, as a community have taken on a, a large obligation to be able to fulfill the requirements that we've uh, that we've taken on to be a, a host city in World Cup through our contracts with FIFA. And in Texas, we have a very unique situation where we have access to what's called the Major Events Reimbursement Program. It is a funding source set up by the state, which encourages uh, cities to go out and bid uh on events uh, our state really believes in the value of bringing major sporting events to our state uh, because of the benefit it provides our citizens both from an economic impact and in many other ways uh, so as a result of having the major events reimbursement program in place uh, we're subject to receive uh, a sum of money from the state to help cover the monumental costs that'll take place so for example um, in 2017 houston hosted the nfl super bowl uh and that uh, event had a $357 million economic impact on the region. And as a result of the major events reimbursement program of the state of Texas, Houston received $25.7 million to help cover the, the costs of, uh, of organizing the Super Bowl. So that was one game. That was about a week's worth of events. That was a $350 million economic impact. And we're going to have somewhere in the neighborhood of five to eight games. We're going to have something north of a billion dollars of economic impact. So what happens there is the, you know, the equation in terms of the tax benefits to the state and the increment that we can receive to help cover funding will be substantially greater. So that's one bucket of money, this, this state trust fund, if you will, um, to cover our costs. But at the same time, we do need to go out and privately raise dollars. Um, and that's where I'm focused right now. FIFA has uh, given each city the opportunity to go out and uh, and sell these these packages uh, using some of the, the FIFA assets uh, to help raise money. So uh, you know we're out there just like every other city here in uh, North America trying to raise those private dollars through you know m mainly through big companies that are headquartered in Houston. Uh, and so the combination of the privately raised dollars through the sponsorships and our state reimbursement program, that's how we uh, that's the model we have to cover the costs uh, here in Houston. And and when you say that you're there to, to raise that money, can you give us an idea of the kind of activities or events that you're looking at to try and raise the funds to get that interest so people will invest in, in your particular package? Yeah. So we we are, you know, officially known as the Houston 2026 World Cup host committee. 
Uh, you have the same thing in Atlanta and, and Dallas and Boston elsewhere. So really what we have is a, is a sponsorship package of the host committee that we are able to take out to, to partners. It's not a FIFA sponsorship. It's not a World Cup sponsorship. It's a host committee sponsorship where we can provide assets. And some of those assets are FIFA assets like tickets to the match or hospitality to the match or perhaps uh, some type of presence in the FIFA Fan Fest, amongst other things. While at the same time, we can put together a host of local assets, events, activities, um, special benefits, and and um, and uh, things to local activities that we can package in there to create a, a valuable sponsorship where where sponsors can contribute and ultimately help uh, you know help us raise the money that we need to to cover this. Legacy has always been an issue for World Cups that perhaps in the past that haven't quite reached the criteria. Have you had discussions with FIFA? Have they talked about issues around legacy? We're seeing this is becoming very important, for example, with the Olympics and the International Olympic Committee. And I just wonder whether you've got a sense of that also coming down from, from FIFA itself. And, and what are your plans in terms of the long-term legacy uh, for 2026? Yeah, I'll start with sort of a local perspective on that, and then I'll tie it into FIFA. You know, our city, who's a big believer in bringing in major sporting events, does so because they believe uh, first and foremost in the legacy that these events can can bring to a city. So while it's nice to have the Super Bowl and the Final Four and all these other great events come through and the, and the, the events on the field or, or the pitch are amazing, um, once the final whistle blows, we want to make sure that these events uh, contribute to our community long term. So it's really the the vision that we have in our community and why we go after these events and what we and, and how we feel the impact of these events resonate. Um, so there's a culture here locally that's, that's tied to legacy and our mission around 2026 is tied to legacy as it pertains to FIFA. There's certainly a lot of discussions. There's a lot of guidelines uh, around sustainability and human rights and growing the game. And uh, even back to the days of the bid, you know, we were kind of following those that lead where the, the three key pillars of our legacy program are around growing the game, uh, protecting human rights um, and, uh, and defending the defending human rights and protecting the environment. So uh, we've got numerous initiatives and plans that are in place around those. We have committees that are specifically set up around those things to be focusing on those issues to make sure that. You know, we are, um, as I said, you know, defending certain human rights and, and making sure that uh, issues that arise from hosting a game can be uh, defended against and also, you know, making sure that some of the long term impacts can be put in place. And the same could be said for sustainability. But as it pertains to growing the game, uh, you know, we see an opportunity to make a huge impact here in Houston and the, and the greater region. One of the challenges in our country and, and we're the same here in Houston is that uh, access to the game is denied to a lot of people due to financial barriers. So, you know, soccer or football is very much a, a pay to play sport in the United States where, you know, people with certain incomes and certain access to clubs and fields and, and that are the ones who have uh, the opportunity to play and develop and advance uh, both personally and, and in the game. So uh, what we've noticed is we, uh, we feel the opportunity to grow the game is around providing more access to youth who don't have it. So we're trying to break down the economic barriers, um, some of the infrastructure barriers, and we would like to create a um, one of the main lasting legacies out of 2026 is to create a youth soccer club uh, for underserved communities in the inner city where kids who currently um, don't have access to playing club soccer because it's in the suburbs or because it's too much money or whatever the, the barrier might be is broken down. So we're working very closely with a number of stakeholders throughout our community, both in and outside of the game, 
uh, to be able to create this club uh, where kids will you know, play on the same team. They'll have a full season every single year. They'll practice a couple times a week. They'll play on Saturdays. They'll win. They'll lose. They'll, you know, they'll go through the same exact experience of playing club football as someone who's grown up in the suburbs, you know, middle class uh, family who can afford it. And, um, at, you know, we're looking six to 18 year old boys and girls, um, you know, significant impact on an annual basis. We're looking to make it recreational to start over time. We're hopeful that it becomes a little bit more competitive and hopefully some of these competitive kids can turn that opportunity of playing uh, youth soccer into uh, college scholarships. And then even way down the road, ideally, you know, we'd love to identify players that could potentially play pro soccer or maybe even for a national team. But we know that's a uh, you know, generation or so to come and there's a lot of work to do. But we really hope that uh, in 2026, we can build this structure of this club, put it in place, give it a good decade plus runway to succeed and uh, that it lasts forever and brings uh, positive impact to uh, to Houstonians forever. Do you find that there is actually a, a barrier for youngsters, you know, people who are from an economic disadvantaged background, do actually have a barrier playing football? Or is it a case of perhaps a little bit of luck? You see a kid running around with the boys, you think, well, he's got a bit of talent. Let's give him some opportunities to, to put him in a team to develop that skill. How, how do you view that? Yeah, we don't have really the culture in our country yet where, you know, people just go make a, a football out of tape and go kick it around in the streets. Right. Uh, in any in any part of uh, of our country, it's it's an organized event here. It's an organized activity. And and in the places where it's organized, it, again, mainly in the suburbs where there's fields, where there's clubs, where there's finances, uh, the game is is well played and uh, heavily participated in but in those pockets in particular in the inner city where there are economic barriers uh, we don't have kids playing the sport now they do find their way to other sports like american football like basketball uh, like even baseball and some of those other sports have done a better job than soccer has up to this point in creating the inner city youth program so we hope that uh, we can do this uh, and that we are um Again, providing this access to the game for these kids who want to play it. Again, Houston is a, a very, very diverse community. Um, a lot of uh, Hispanics in this community who love the game. Uh, you know, they've come from El Salvador, Guatemala, or Mexico, or Honduras, um, and they would love to play the sport. And um, we want to give them that ac that access. We've seen uh, this summer some very intense heat out in the U.S. Is that an area of concern for you? It's an issue in Houston that we live with every single day, the climate and, uh, you know, the city's kind of built around uh, knowing how to deal with it being hot. And, uh, you know, people don't want to be outdoors, uh, quite honestly, when it's uh, when it's this time of the year in the heat. So everything we do needs to be planned with that in mind. Uh, we're fortunate enough to have the, the roof that'll be closed and it'll be about 72 degrees Fahrenheit inside uh, NRG Stadium for match day. Uh, but there are activities outside that need to take place, and that's where we need to make sure you know they're they're covered and um, you know climate controlled and things of that nature. It's just an extra step that we have to put in place to make sure that everybody's comfortable and, and safe. By the way, because sometimes uh, being out in the heat can be dangerous for people's health. And what about the plans for the coming year? Let's look at let's look ahead then. So uh, you're on your well-earned break now, but when you get back, what what are sort of things high on the agenda for you to to look at for for the year to come? I think over the course of the next uh, six months, as we close out 2023, uh, it, we're hoping that key decisions are finalized. Right? There's still a lot of big things that are hanging out in the balance in terms of, you know, where are we going to host the fan fest or what level of 
renovations uh, do we need to make to a venue or not? Uh, where will training sites be held? Certain team hotels, right? Um, so there's a lot of big ticket items like that, that once they get finalized and identified, then you can really go to work on planning the details around them. We need to collaborate with FIFA on those things. And uh, you know, a lot of that process has already gone on and will continue to go on. So uh, I would expect by the end of the year, you know, we have all these things nailed down and then uh, we could use the next two and a half years to really just be in this mode of uh, putting the, the finishing touches and the details around these, uh, these, these things. Well, those were the thoughts there of Chris Canetti, the president of the Houston World Cup bid for 2026. That's all for this episode. Don't forget you can catch up with all the latest in what's happening in the world of sport by subscribing to the Sport Inter newsletter produced every day, Monday to Friday. But until the next time, stay safe.